How do I adjust when my time isn't my own? How can I manage my time well when so much of what I do isn't up to me? When my days are full of doing things for other people, how can I make any time for myself? Hey friends, and welcome to episode 51 of It's About Time, a podcast sharing stories and strategies about work, life, and balance. I'm your host, time management coach, Anna Dearman Cornick, and today's episode was inspired by a member of the It's About Time podcast community who asked about how to manage your time when your time is not your own. Her question really got my wheels turning about how taking care of children and being a caregiver to aging or sick parents or other family members can require a big investment of our time. Not only that, Work, whether you're logging in as a nine to five professional, clocking into your shift, or running your own business, sometimes there's a lot about our working lives we feel we just can't control. It makes time management feel almost pointless. Truthfully, I've been there. In my crisis communication days, I all too often felt that my time was not my own constantly on call, missing family events and baby showers to do emergency client work. And I felt hopeless and helpless to do anything about it. After all, that was my job. What could I do? Well, live and learn and then talk to you about it in a podcast episode. Today, I'm here to give you some hope. Even if you feel like you're stuck in a hamster wheel that someone else is spinning while you desperately try to keep up. I'll walk you through five simple steps you can take to sort through the overwhelm and start carving out time with intention. And we'll start with why you actually have more control over your time than you might think. Sound good? And because I know you're probably making the most of your time and listening in the car while you're dropping off kids, running errands, or heading to pick up your groceries, it might be a little inconvenient for you to stop what you're doing and take notes. Don't worry, I've got you covered. You can find all the details from this episode over in the show notes, plus links to any of the resources I'll mention. Today's show notes can be found over at abouttimepodcast.com forward slash 51. Also, I don't want to spoil everything you're about to hear in this episode, but I'm so excited to share that I've created a very special Take Control Time Guide that you can download for free over in the show notes. The Take Control Time Guide outlines each of the five steps you'll hear about in this episode, plus a printable time tracker and link to my time tracking spreadsheet, the same one I share with my clients. You definitely don't want to miss this one. Again, you can grab your free Take Control Time Guide over in the show notes at abouttimepodcast.com forward slash 51. And if you've been listening along for a while, but you haven't hit that subscribe button yet, what are you waiting for? Go ahead and click the subscribe button to be notified as soon as new episodes go live. And if you like what you hear, I'd be so grateful for your review. Your reviews play a huge role in helping others find It's About Time in the search results. 
And you might just get a shout out in a future episode, like this one going out to Pamela T123. Pamela T123 was so kind to leave a five-star rating and review in iTunes for It's About Time. Pamela writes, hi friend. (laughs) When listening to Anna, you really do feel like she is a friend sharing great advice, helping you get back on track. She's consistently giving time-tested, see what I did there, methods to help you run your life instead of it running you. Often they are simple, although not necessarily easy to implement. I'm so glad I found this podcast and my new virtual friend in Anna. Pamela T123, time-tested, that's a good one. And I'm so proud to call you a friend. That's all I want is for you to feel like you're in charge and running your life. And I truly hope that through the solo episodes and guest interviews on It's About Time, that you're finding ways to make life just a little better. I'm so thankful to have you as a listener. And thank you so much for taking the time to leave such a kind and thoughtful review. I really do have the best listeners. Y'all are just wonderful. All right, it's about time we get started. So let's get this show on the road. You're listening to It's About Time, a podcast about work, life, and balance. Around here, we believe that busy is not a badge of honor. Your host, Anna Dearman Cornick, is here to share tips and strategies to help you make the most of your time. Listen in on real conversations and success stories to find out how other go-getters are getting things done. If you're ready to step away from the overwhelm and spend your time on what matters most, then you're in the right place. Here's your host, time management coach, Anna Dearman Cornick. Okay, here we go. On the road to managing your time well, when you believe your time is not your own, there are five steps along the way to, dare I say it, feeling more free. First, we're going to own it. Then we're going to track it. Once we track it, we're going to review it. And then we'll edit. And finally, we'll plan it. Own it, track it, review it, edit, plan it. So let's start with step one, own it. Step one is less about moving things around on your calendar and more about shifting your thoughts about time, ownership, and responsibility. Repeat after me. I am in control of how I spend my time. One more time. I am in control of how I spend my time. Understanding and believing that you and only you are in control of how you spend your time is an absolute necessity and game changer in your life. Now, I'll admit there was a time that I didn't believe those words myself. My calendar was once jam-packed and filled to the brim with meetings, activities, and work that reflected other people's priorities. And frankly, I was miserable. My days started rushed, and I always woke up feeling behind and also exhausted from working late the night before. Once I made it to the office, usually late, I raced around from meeting to meeting about things I wasn't passionate about, squeezing in haphazard desk work and failed attempts to focus in between. 
Usually anything that required true focus and concentration was pushed until after I got home because I hadn't figured out a way to do deep work in an open office setting, therefore continuing the cycle of staying up late trying to catch up. I honestly can't imagine what it would have been like to live that frantic and unfulfilling lifestyle while trying to raise a family. Someone very close to me told me when I was in that unhappy season of life, you're not supposed to like your job. You're just supposed to show up, do the work, go home, and enjoy your life on the weekends. I sincerely think that she was trying to make me feel better, but instead, her words made me feel sick. Have you ever been told that or been given similar advice that working for the weekends is all there is to life? What do you believe? I knew there had to be a better way, but at that point, I didn't know what it was or how to get there. This cycle of spending my days unhappy and my evenings and weekends working continued for a while, years even, until I decided I'd had enough. And this realization certainly didn't take place overnight, but it was the result of gradually being exposed to more and more examples of people, of women specifically, who had designed lives and careers that set their souls on fire. Lives and careers that didn't fit the narrative that I was sold. Lives they loved, careers that were fulfilling, all while having fun, spending time with family, and doing work with purpose. They were cultivating what matters, living the simplified life, and working from a place of rest and not hustle. If they could create that, why not me? And if they could create that, why not you? Friends, it starts with owning it. Owning that you are, in fact, in control of your time. You always have a choice. If you don't like your job, you actually can leave. No one is forcing you to go each day. If you own a business and your clients or your client work is taking over your life, you're the boss. You get to decide how and when you serve. And if you've got little ones or you're taking care of aging or sick parents, there is still some choice built into the equation. The problem is, and what often leads to a feeling of being stuck or that we don't have control of our situation, is our options, our alternatives. Typically, when we believe the lie that we don't have a choice in the matter, it's because the alternatives are unappealing. They're hard. They take a lot of time or effort to see a result. I had a similar conversation with one of my time management coaching clients recently who wants to replace two critical team members who are performing poorly in his business. The problem is the process of finding, hiring, and training someone new to take over those responsibilities feels so much more daunting, even though it would probably be the better choice in the long run. But the point is, he knows he has a choice even if the choice isn't an easy one to make. You might hate your job and feel that you have no choice but to stay. 
You have bills to pay and a family to take care of. But really, what are your other options? Could you search for a new job? Could you cut your expenses and begin saving more and create a financial buffer that would allow you to start the business you've been dreaming of? Could you prepare for and have a conversation with your boss, proposing a raise, promotion, a part-time or remote arrangement, or maybe even a shift in responsibilities? What are your options? You always have options. And if the options aren't good, then you're not stuck. You're choosing to stay. You're in control. Or maybe you're running your own business, but your clients are taking over your life, calling you at all hours of the day, reaching out on weekends, and you feel like you can't dig out of the mountain of work on your plate. You started your business for more freedom, but somehow you have even less. What are your options? Could you create more boundaries around client relationships? Establishing clear policies for communication from the get-go. Could you set up office hours and stick to them? Could you redistribute your budget and hire part-time help or a freelancer to assist with project work? What are your options? Again, you always have options. And if you do nothing, again, it's not because you're stuck. It's because you're choosing to keep things the same. Last example with taking care of children or being in a caregiver role. I know I sound like a broken record, but there are always options. Here's an example from my own life. Maybe this will surprise you, but I only work around 20 to 25 hours a week in my coaching business and on the podcast. If I skip all of my workouts, wake up at 5 a.m. to start working, which I actually do on occasion. It's 5.22 a.m. as I'm writing this. And if I add in a few post-bedtime hours working late, I can get it maybe a little bit closer to 30 or 35 hours a week. Sometimes I catch myself thinking, I'd really like to work more and make more progress in growing my business, but I don't have a choice. And of course, I know that's wrong. My 20 to 25 hours are a result of my daughter's childcare schedule. 99% of the time, I do morning routine drop off and pick up because my husband's work schedule is very unpredictable. So that means my work happens while she's at school. But if I really wanted to work more, I have options. I could hire someone, like a mother's helper, to pick her up from school and watch her at home while I finish up for the day. We could hire an au pair and have live-in help, but I recognize that would also mean less time with Camilla and it would be an additional expense that we could make if we shifted our budget around. But honestly, both options are unappealing to me. So, I choose to do drop-off and pick-up and work the hours in between. Okay, y'all, so I know we could all probably use a little more time in our day, right? You're no stranger to busy schedules and intentionally filling them up to the brim because you just have so much to get done. But sometimes it feels like you don't really ever have the time to just slow down and enjoy the simple things. 
Simple things like when my toddlers are giggling and playing nicely together in the backyard, or when a Sunday afternoon nap sounds too good to pass up. We all want more time to enjoy these kinds of things, right? Well, if you love personality quizzes like I do, then you're in for a treat. In my new quiz, which you can take for free at AnnaDCornick.com forward slash quiz, I'm helping you uncover what it will take to get you from chaos to calm, to finally feel like you have space in your days. I know it can feel downright frustrating to keep using the same old time management strategies that just don't seem to work for you. You've got the planners, the calendars, apps, you're doing all the things, but you still feel like you have no time. And that's because you need time management strategies that work for your personality and your life. In my 10 plus years working in crisis communications and chaos management, in all the time I've spent with my clients, I've learned that everyone has their own needs. And knowing what those needs are can really help you discover the best approach to planning your days. Knowing yourself can help you ease up busy schedules, and find more calm and clarity in your week. Do you wanna know how to get there? To have more breathing room in your days? Let's figure out your time management personality type so you can uncover exactly what you need to do to feel more productive, less stressed, and more balanced. You can take the quiz at AnnaDCornick.com forward slash quiz, and I'll make sure to link to the quiz in our show notes. All right, on with the show. Another one of my time management coaching clients was stressed because she felt she didn't have enough time to work on her growing side business. She's working full time and spends five to six hours a week in the evening with her daughter at gymnastics and dance lessons. Our solution? Instead of spending that idle time waiting at gymnastics and dance class, potentially scrolling on your phone, Decide in advance what you'll take with you to work on while you're there. And if you're spending hours a week in a hospital waiting room while a loved one has treatments or appointments, how can you use that time to your advantage instead of falling into default mode? Either way, please know that even though sometimes you have to get creative, and even though the options aren't always appealing, you have a choice and you are in control of how you spend your time. I would so much rather you feel empowered in your choice than a victim of your circumstances. It's all in your perspective. Own it. So once you own that you are in control, it's time to see where your time is actually going. So we're going to track it. If you keep your appointments in a calendar, like a paper planner or in Google Calendar, take a look at your past few weeks. If you use time blocking and task batching during your weeks, and you add those blocks to your calendar in addition to your meetings and appointments, then you're already ahead of the game. Now, I challenge you to spend a week writing down everything you do, tracking your time, and doing a time study. Doing a time study is usually one of the first steps that my coaching clients take to bring more awareness to how they're actually spending their time. When we move from one thing to the other in our day-to-day lives, 
a lot gets lost on us and we don't necessarily realize how much time we're wasting. And sometimes we don't realize how productive we really are. Doing a time study also uncovers useful pockets of time and gives us the insight we need to rearrange in order to design a more fulfilling life. The first step to doing a time study is to decide where you'll track your time. Here are three places you can do that. First, you could keep a note in your phone of how you're spending your time in 15 to 30 minute increments. Second, you could use a spreadsheet to capture how you're spending your time in the cells. When you head over to the show notes at abouttimepodcast.com forward slash 51, you'll find the Take Control Time Guide waiting for you with a printable time tracker and a link to my Google Sheet that you can copy and use to enter your time. Third, you could capture in your calendar how you're spending your time beyond just your meetings and appointments. If you have enough space to write in your paper planner, go with that. And if you use something like Google Calendar, just create appointments to represent your time. As you're tracking your time, I encourage you to get as granular and specific as you can. For example, phone call with Sarah about the TPS report is much more insightful than just phone call. Include your commute time, your shower time, and yes, even your mindless Instagram and Facebook scrolling time. And if you do several things jumping around within a 15-minute time frame, just write down the thing you spent the most time doing. It doesn't have to be perfect. Once you've done your time study, it's time to move from track it to review it. Take a good look at your time study, whether it's in your phone notes, a spreadsheet, or your calendar, and see what overarching categories emerge. If you want to get crazy, add up how much time you spend on each category. One of my clients was shocked to find that she spent nine hours consuming social media content in the space of a week because 15 minutes here and there add up. And that didn't even include the time she spent creating and posting content. As you're reviewing your completed time study, Ask yourself the following questions. And yes, you can find these in the Take Control Time Guide. When was I happiest during my week? When was I most stressed or frustrated? When was I most productive? When did I typically waste time? And when I waste time, what am I doing? When did I feel really great? And when did I feel exhausted? And finally, what is my biggest takeaway from this experience? After you track it, as you review it, asking these questions is when the aha moments arrive. This is when you begin to see a realistic picture of how you're actually spending your time. After you review it, It's time to edit. Break out the red pen and let's see what we can do. Now that you've identified when you feel great, when you feel not so great, which parts of the day and the week stress you out, and when you're most productive, you are equipped to edit. This is when we start to move things around. 
what can you change or adjust about how you're spending your time to serve you better? What can you quit doing altogether that isn't serving you? Last week, I shared in episode 50 that I walked away from a nonprofit chair position because I realized that I was allowing it, keyword allowing, everything is a choice, remember? I realized I was allowing it to drain my time, my energy, and my positivity. And if you're afraid of quitting because someone told you when you were younger that quitters never win, Quitters can absolutely win, especially when it means freeing up time to spend on something more fulfilling and meaningful. If you want to quit something, you have my full support. You don't have to be a hero and stick it out if you're miserable. Life is too short and we only get one. So what can you change, adjust, move around, or even quit in order to use your time in a way that's fulfilling? How can you take advantage of those parts of the day when you're feeling great to get important work done? How can you be ready for the nap time hustle when your little ones lay down so you can use that time wisely on something you need or want to do? And how can you use existing pockets of time when you usually fall into default mode in a more fulfilling or productive way. So here's one very important thing to note. Every single minute of your day does not have to be the most productive minute ever. That's why I often prefer fulfilling over the word productive. It's kind of like those SAT study questions. At least from what I've seen on TV and movies, I didn't actually take the SAT. I took the ACT, but they go like this. All squares are shapes, but not shapes are squares. You know what I'm talking about, those statements? So here's mine. All things that are fulfilling are productive, but not all things that are productive are fulfilling. And of course, this is just my opinion. For example, lingering over coffee with your significant other before you head out the door in the morning might not be society's definition of productive because you're not crossing something off of a list. But in my world, it's productive because it's fulfilling. Intentionally nurturing a relationship fills your soul. Spending 15 minutes of one-on-one time with all attention on your kiddo might not be society's definition of productive, but it's definitely fulfilling for both of you. So before we move on, I encourage you to ask yourself two questions. First, what does fulfilling mean to you? And second, what does productive mean to you? And finally, now that we've owned it, tracked it, reviewed it, and edited it, it's time to plan it. Take what you've learned from reviewing it and look at what you've edited. Now, create a plan for your week that puts you in the driver's seat. You're in control, you call the shots, and you make the rules. Back in episode 48, I shared my secret for getting everything done by designing an ideal week, a template for how I want to spend my time. And if you haven't listened to that one, head that way next. 
you'll want to design an ideal week for yourself, one that is both fulfilling and productive. And then at the start of each week, take a look at that ideal week and make adjustments based on reality. What stays, what goes, and what gets moved around to accommodate what real life throws at us. If you truly want to take back your time, feel that you're in control, and step into each week feeling calm and prepared, that's the answer. Is it simple? Sure. Is it easy? Well, most worthwhile things in life are not. And that's why it's easier to live life in default mode. But I know that you don't want that. And I don't want that for you either. We can absolutely work with what we've got. And it starts with owning that you, my friend, are in control. So there you have it. Own it, track it, review it, edit, and plan it. Five steps to managing your time and designing a fulfilling life when so much of what you do is based on the needs of serving others. Whether those others are your boss, coworkers, clients, or family. You can do this. You've got this, and I believe in you. I'd love to hear what you thought about this episode. What's your definition of productivity and fulfillment? Do you believe that you're in control of how you spend your time? Tell me everything over in the It's About Time podcast community on Facebook. You can find a link in the show notes or by going straight to abouttimepodcast.com forward slash community. As always, all of the details from today's episode can be found in the show notes at abouttimepodcast.com forward slash 51. And while you're there, don't forget to download the Take Control Time Guide that includes a summary of each of these five steps, plus a time tracking printable and a link to my time tracking spreadsheet. And before we go, let me tell you a little bit about next week's episode, episode 52. At the beginning of this episode, I shared that seeing proof of what's possible in other women inspired me to quit my job and design a life in business that sets my soul on fire. Megan Martin, a conversion-focused website designer and work-at-home mom to four kids, is one of those women who I found and was inspired by from the get-go. She is someone who designed and has evolved a business based on her life instead of squeezing her life to fit her business. I am so delighted to share our conversation with you next week as she reveals how she runs a six-figure business as a one-woman show, how she and her husband set themselves up for retirement by 35, and how she does time management as a self-described all-over-the-place Enneagram 7. All right, that's it for today. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to It's About Time, a podcast about work, life, and balance. Head over to www.abouttimepodcast.com to join the conversation. Check out the show notes and dive into bonus content so you can start living your best life today.
Love this episode? Be sure to share it with a friend, subscribe, and leave a review. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you in the next episode.